Today's review titled Perspective Altering by Bridget Keefe. Listening to this podcast is so uplifting and informational. Shaleen practices what she preaches. She makes the listener feel invested. Hey there, welcome to Build Your Tribe. My name is Shaleen Johnson. And my name is Brock Johnson. With more than 25 years of experience in a variety of businesses, I promise to share with you the ins, the outs, my failures, and successes. And my goal is to share with you these social media money-making strategies to turn your idea into passive income. Every week, my son, Brock, and I will share with you perspectives that will serve you regardless of the stage that you're at in your business. Whether you're a solo entrepreneur looking to grow your brand in social media or you've got dreams for a global brand, Build Your Tribe is here to serve you. All right, Mom, this one's all you. Well, I'm over the moon, no pun intended, about today's guest. You're in for a treat. This guy is so freaking awesome. And there's so much to learn from him. This is Naveen Jain today. He is my guest. He has been described as an audacious entrepreneur, a dreamer, an innovator, a disruptor. If you listen to The Shaleen Show, you probably heard the interview I did with him there about one of his latest ventures called Viome. Now, Viome, it is revolutionizing the industry of gut testing, not just knowing what's in your microbiome, but understanding like what it does. He's a disruptor and he's disrupting that industry. And when I say that industry, I mean the healthcare industry. Naveen grew up poor in India. He moved to the United States as a teenager with like no money, and he did so to pursue his education. Now, eventually, he ended up at Microsoft, and he made his mark there before he went on to found his own company, of which he's had many at this point. One of his early endeavors was a search engine. This is early in the dot-com era called Infospace. You might remember that. From there, he went on to found a company called Intellius, which was a data mining giant. Now, you might recognize his name, or if you saw him, you might recognize him because he's been in the news a ton for a startup that he co-founded, a multi-million dollar startup called Moon Express, which aims to transport people, consumers like you and I, to the moon. How cool is that? But for me, the reason why I love this man and the reason why I am obsessed with his latest endeavor is because of Viome. It's his mission. It's his thing. It's the thing that wakes him up every single day now, and that is to create a world where chronic disease is a choice, in his own words. He's going to accomplish this. In order to do this, Naveen has spent millions and millions and raised millions and millions of dollars to license a technology that allows them to analyze a person's gut microbiome on a microscopic level that has never been seen before. Now, if that's a little bit interesting to you, you should definitely listen to those Shalene Show episodes. I'm going to put links to them below this show, you know, in the pod squad, which is where I've got a group of people who talk about and discuss the latest podcast, The Pod Squad, which by the way, you're invited to join us. It's a free Facebook group. I'll put a link to it below the show. You can also just search for it on the next time you're on Facebook. It's Shalene's Pod Squad and it's Build Your Tribe and Shalene Show listeners. Anyways, they've just been obsessing about those episodes because it was freaking fascinating. The two-part episode that I did with Naveen just about gut testing and like what you can learn about your health and how your body is going to respond to chemotherapy 
and what foods you should be eating and what healthy foods, like including, like for some people, spinach or blueberries or whatever, like these healthy foods where people are trying to guess what their food intolerances are, which is all we really could do in the past. But now when you do this testing, you know. Anyways, everybody in the pod squad has been like obsessed with this. They ordered the tests. And anyways, Super fascinating. If you're into gut health, definitely go back and listen to those episodes after you listen to this one. Okay, because today what you're going to do is spend some time getting to know the man behind these crazy, ridiculously successful, disrupting businesses that have revolutionized the industries that he started them in. Today, we talk about what it takes to be that kind of entrepreneur. All right, get ready to be entertained and inspired. Naveen Jane, thank you so much for joining me here today on Build Your Tribe. Well, thank you, Shaleen, for hosting me here. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I hope you have a couple of days to spend with me because we really need to unpack a lot of your expertise. <laughs> well, the good thing is that it doesn't take a lot of time. It just takes the people who actually want to listen. <laughs> oh, that's right. Let me tell you, I'm just fascinated by so much of who you are, what you do, the way your brain works. So let me start by asking you this. For those people who are listening who feel like, gosh, if I had enough money, I could do my own thing. If I knew the right people, I could do my own thing. If I went to the right university, I could take this idea that I have and turn it into something really huge. In other words, they see these obstacles in front of them. What do you say to those people? Well, you know, Everybody, you can all think of 100 excuses why not to do something. And you just need a one reason to do something, right? So if you can come up with one reason why you care enough to do that, that's all it takes. You have to find out what is it that you care enough that you're willing to die for it. And nothing is going to get in your way of making that happen. The people who are making excuses are because they do not want to do it. So they come up with a reason. Well, I just don't know anything about this industry, but, you know, or I just don't know enough people. This world is kind of all already messed up in a sense that die is against me. That means that all the odds are against me. I don't know enough people. I don't know about enough of this thing. And no way I'm going to succeed because it's an old boys club. The people already know each other. I cannot penetrate that market. And it turns out that it doesn't matter what industry you are in. It doesn't matter who you know. None of that actually correlates to the success you have in your business, right? So this idea of, it's really important to know it's all about who you know. And I can tell you that you may know a lot of people, but they will not do business with you. The business only gets done. There are four criteria okay, before right. someone does business with you. Who you know simply opens their door. All right. If they like you, they are inclined to listen to you. If they trust you, they are willing to do business with you. But until they respect you, they're not going to do business with you, right? So it's not about who you know. It really comes down to is, do they actually respect you enough to do business with you? Are there people that you have entered into business with and one of these four things was questionable? Like you knew them, you liked them, you trust them, but the respect piece, you're like, eh, I'm not sure if I respect what they do. And answer, I would never do business with them. I would tell them, we can hang out together but we will never do business with someone that you don't respect. Because if you do business with them, you're going to lose the first three because eventually that relationship is going to fail. 
if you don't respect them, is going to show up in so many different ways that that business will fall apart and you'll lose the first three. So it's better to keep the first three and not do the business. Right. So you came to this country broke, no money. And a young man, to make a long story short, eventually you started to work with Microsoft. At what point did you leave Microsoft and why? Yeah. So I think, I, you know, to some extent, I left because I wanted to go do something that I actually thought was my own. And I felt in the early days of the internet, there was a paradigm shift that was coming along. So in 80s, you know, the internet was brand new. And I felt that by the time the 90s rolled around, this thing was actually starting to happen. Late 90s, I decided that now is the time to actually go out and build a business because there is nothing out there. There were only four or five companies on the internet at that time. They were Yahoo and, you know, Lycos, and most people think of, they don't even know what they are anymore because they're all dying, right? But that was all out there. So I decided there's going to be a paradigm shift. And anytime there is a paradigm shift, the new leaders are created and I wanted to be one of them. My next question is then, did you already have like a plan in place and how much fear did you experience? So any point of time in life, it is okay to question yourself, but it's never okay not to do it. It is something, I mean, every time you do something, you have to realize, you have to expect and realize there are going to be ups and downs. So the only way we know as human beings we are alive, because there is a heartbeat. What does the heartbeat look like? It goes up and down. When it's smooth, you're dead. And the same is true for a business. If you believe you're living a smooth life, you're a dead business. You just don't know it yet. Wow. Right? Ups and downs tells you that you're still alive. And the trick in ups and downs is really simple. When you are down, all you have to do is hunker down and know the next beat is going to be up. But the most important part is when you are on top of that beat, never get too cocky because you know the winter is coming. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, were you married then and did you have children by then? So it's, you know, when I started my first business and my wife was pregnant and we were going to have our first children and it was hard on her because she thought I was, in her word, a irresponsible husband wanting to quit a cushy job that yeah. pays well and a guaranteed salary for something I didn't know what I was going to do. And a first time entrepreneur and a spouse feeling, oh my God, what have I done? Why did I marry this loser? Sure. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, in most relationships, there's one who really has an entrepreneurial spirit and it can often scare or make the other partner who's maybe a little bit more responsible, it can make them question motives. And that can sometimes feel like they don't support me. They don't see my dream. So how did you process what I assume was your wife just being a caretaker? and worried about your security. And I think uh, to some extent, we all understood that there is a risk here. There is, I mean, you know, there is nothing that you do that's worth doing that there is no risk, right? In this case, we said, you know, I'm going to go try something. And if we have enough savings that we can live for 12 months, why don't you give me six to nine months where we essentially give me a chance to see if we can do it? If not, I can go always find a new job and I can go back to work. But not giving it a shot mm -hmm. is going to be something I'm going to regret all my life. Mm -hmm. And that's literally what it was, not knowing what I was going to do, but still wanting to do something that could change the way people live their life. 
Tell us about that first business. So first business actually started out in something that nobody would have imagined. In those days, there were no mobile phones that actually you could do anything on. And here, everybody had Palm Pilots, they had Pager, and they used to have this flip phone. And most of the people were probably young people listening to it. It's like, what is that flip phone <laughs> you're talking about? Well, those used to be the fanciest Motorola Star Trek phones. Those were the fanciest phones. And in those days, this was, so you know, there was, I'm now talking about 10 years before I, Steve Jobs introduced iPhone, oh, wow. right? And I'm year 2000 now. This is seven years before Steve Jobs introduced iPhone. I am on record, actually on Washington Post, saying one day we're going to have a phone. You'll be able to get your email, stock code, calendar. And you'll be able to get all this information on your phone. When you drive by Starbucks, you're going to get the coupon for Starbucks because the phone will know where you are. And you will use your phone to make a payment instead of using your credit card. And the reporter named Leslie Walker at that time said, Sir, I don't know what world you live in, not in our lifetime. And seven years later, when the phone came out, I called her and said, I hope you're alive because it's happening. (laughs) Right. But point was, it wasn't something because I had a crystal ball. It is business is all about how you look at the problem differently than anyone else is looking. So when I was talking about what you could do on a phone, people were literally figuring out how would you get your email on that tiny Star Trek phone, it's a tiny screen, how will you get that? And I kept thinking, why won't somebody put a phone on a Palm Pilot? Mm, That's right. That's right, that they were Palm Pilots before they were combined as phones. And I thought, if you put a phone on a Palm Pilot, that would solve the problem. And why can't you integrate the pager right into that Palm Pilot and you're done? And that's literally was iPhone. Wow. So your first business, you... Build the services for these phones that did yet to exist. And that company went on to become a $40 billion company. Wow. That's remarkable. When did you sell this company? No, it's still a public company. It's still worth a couple of billion dollars after all that market crash. What led you to the next thing that you were obsessed with, in yeah. your own words? Yeah. yeah, so I think always most people start with what they claim is something they like to do, something they want to do, something they claim they are passionate about. And I think I just want to get it out of the way. Passion is for losers. Oh my, okay. You heard it here first. The winners have obsession. Obsession. The passion is like I collect stamps. That's my passion. Okay. What I do is to eliminate chronic diseases. That's my obsession, Mm -hmm. right? So finding the passion, you can have tens of passions, but you can only have one obsession. What is it makes you wake up at 4 a.m. and jump out of the bed? If you are working on things that don't make you jump out of the bed when you wake up, you're working on something wrong. You're not obsessed. Because when you're obsessed, you sleep thinking about it and you wake up jumping out of the bed thinking about it. And if that's not what is making you jump out of the bed, then go out and do something different. And that's one of the tricks. What is it that you're willing to die for and then live for it? Also ask yourself that if you had everything in life, billions of dollars, a loving family, the children, everything that you want, what would you do? And if you do that today, you will get everything you want, right? Other thing that I find most entrepreneurs that make mistake is they want to start a company to make money. 
If you start something to make money, it's a very good chance you will fail. If you start a company to solve a problem, then you succeed. That means focus on what is it that you are doing that will help millions, if not billions of people do something better. How would that change their life? God forbid you are actually successful in doing what you're doing. Would it help a billion people? If the answer is no, go do something different. Because unless you are focused on solving a problem, you can never succeed because you cannot just make money because you want to make money. And as I've always said, making money is like having an orgasm. You never get it if you focus on it. You just have to enjoy the process. <laughs> I'm dead. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. Let's start with orgasms. Just kidding. So here's my question. You weren't jumping out of bed in the 90s, obsessed with helping to eliminate chronic disease. Your obsessions change. And I think so many entrepreneurs, people in general, especially kids, and when I say kids, like people in their 20s, they feel like I have to find my passion and they think it's gonna be one thing and they're reluctant to shift when their interests change. How do you follow that? How do you know, like how do you embrace what, like this is a new thing that I'm obsessed with and give yourself permission to live, eat, and breathe it. So it's, you know, so I think we have to somehow separate between what is it that you do, which is a means to an end, and what is the end in itself, right? So I tend to uh, find myself obsessed about doing things that would fundamentally change the way people live. That means it will help hundreds of millions or billions of people if successful. That's and, your through line. And that is that. So how I do that may be different. And I hate to say it, none of the things that I do, I'm truly obsessed about them. So it's not that I'm obsessed about healthcare because I do healthcare. Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed about a billion people suffering from chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. And this is the means to an end. When I solve this problem and I move on to education, it's not that I'm obsessed with education. It is about I can help a billion people stay intellectually curious. And we'll come back to now as an entrepreneur about why that is the most important thing is to be intellectually curious, right? Mm. If I am doing agriculture, it's not that somehow I'm obsessed with farming because I get obsessed with helping a billion people grow the food in a way that will help those people live healthier life, right? So it is always about the end goal of helping people because ultimately if you're helping them, their wallet is open to you. Mm -hmm. If you're solving a problem and you have an aspirin, you find who has headache. Does billion people have headaches? You can sell them an aspirin, but you cannot sell them vitamins, which is I have this technology, it's gonna make your life better. I don't have a problem that you're trying to solve. Well, let me tell you, it's gonna make your life better. But I don't, I mean, it's unless people have a pain point, you can't solve it. So you have to start with what problem you're solving and who is the person whose life will be better because of you. Wow. Your dreams are so big that the average person, just to be honest, it's hard for them to relate. For so many people, they have a difficult time even setting goals for themselves because they think smaller or they make their dreams smaller. They make themselves small. So when you say something like, if your problem doesn't help millions or billions, then find something else. I worry that that could discourage people. Do you really mean 
millions or just a lot of people? Well, so here's a very interesting thing. It's easier to start a company that helps, say, 100 million people than to start a company that's going to help 10,000 people. And let me tell you why. When you do something small, nobody, the best and the brightest, don't come to you to solve that problem. Say that again for me. When you For example, if I say I'm going to help people find a better roommate, it helps tens of thousands of people. You're not going to find the world's best and the brightest and say, oh my God, that's a problem I want to work on and help you solve. I see, I see. But if you go out and say, I'm going to make illness optional, the world's best says, that's a problem worth solving because the people who are the smartest people want to work on the biggest problems. So, so much of the problem that you want to solve is also about attracting the right people to help you do that. Is that right? Right talent. That means you don't have to have the answers. You just have to be the person becoming a catalyst to assemble the team to solve the problem. And people say, I don't have money. And the interesting thing is, the people, when you assemble the team that is the best and the brightest, everyone wants to give you the money because you have the best team to solve that problem. Wow. Mind blown. Yeah. So best and the brightest come to you because you're doing things that they want to do. And they don't even need the money because every one of these guys have been plenty successful in life. What if I get in my head and I think, well, listen, what business do I have in healthcare? I'm not a medical doctor. This is not my background. I'm not a, um, I didn't study any of these things. I just see this problem. How do you get over that little voice in your head that says, you're not the person to spearhead this because this isn't your expertise. It isn't your background. So it's very interesting thing is if you find the people who are expert in any field, the best they can do is to be an incrementalist. That means they can make something better, slightly better than the next guy. If you want to disrupt an industry, you have to be a non-expert or an outsider. That means the more you know about something, the less likelihood you're going to change that industry. That means in that industry, you could be slightly better than but you can never come up and make it 10 times better. It takes a non-expert to come in. And every company that I have started, no two companies have ever been in the same industry because I'm afraid I becoming good at something. I want to be not good at something so that I can go out and disrupt it. Because an expert is someone who has the knowledge and the foundation of that industry. And unless you're willing to challenge that foundation, you can never make it 10 times better. And the reason you are expert is because you can never challenge the foundation because that's what makes you an expert. Wow. Jeez. So you decide that you want, you're very passionate, obsessed with something. There's this problem you want to solve. You don't have expertise in that area. Where do you even start to find the people who you need to attract and then how is it you enlist their obsession and, and their skills and their talent? Like, how do you attract that team? So, so, you know, 10 years ago, this would have been the right question to ask. Today, that is a dumb question because every one of us has access to the same thing through social media. It's amazing things happen. The talents get found in a heartbeat that get billion views for people who have never heard of. A single message of Me Too can get hundreds of millions of billion people for someone you never heard of, right? right? How is that happens? When you have a message, a message spreads like a virus, right? You go out and say, this is now possible. Amazing thing is, 
it no longer takes the fortune 500 companies or the countries or the kings and queens or the aristocrats and superpower to solve the problem it takes one entrepreneur to say enough is enough right now imagine going to the space used to be only the superpowers ever thought about going to space russia china usa today everyone who's going to the space is an individual entrepreneur who decided they can do it right now imagine if you look at the energy the clean energy the governments have had the kyoto treaty and the paris treaty nothing changed it took one entrepreneur like elon musk to say you know what i'm going to build an electric car and no one told him that there has not been a car company created in the last 50 years you talking about electric car company right. and today you look at that tesla is worth valued more than any you know gm and ford why is that it takes one person to say i can do it it doesn't require you to you know have a massive amount of fortunes it doesn't require you to have a massive amount of knowledge it takes someone who say it can be done if you can imagine it you can do it is elon really the best car manufacturer or knows anything about electric car or does he know about the rockets mm. right he created a rocket company he created a car company he created a solar company not because he's an expert in any one of them he created because he had a right vision and the right catalyst to build the team around him to make it happen where does your confidence come from and the confidence of people like an Elon Musk where the average person sees all the obstacles you know they think to themselves i'm not tall enough pretty enough thin enough whatever enough connected enough to do these things and is it dna is it something that you experience from your parents how do you have that belief in yourself it's all comes to the individual personal belief so i say if the only way to be successful in life is to fall in love with yourself the day you fall in love with yourself is the day the world will fall in love with you and we have such a difficult time falling in love with ourselves what i mean by that is not become self conceited but not looking for someone's approval mm. when you stop looking for someone's approval then you can be who you are because you don't really care about what other people think of your ideas we all spend way too much time what would she think what would he think what would they think right and what if this if i fail what would they say who cares right the point about you is you finding your own obsession you finding your happiness and learning what makes you happy happiness is a choice you make happiness is internal the fact is we are trained to see and tell people and believe something or someone makes us happy right the minute you believe it is the someone who makes you happy you have just given the remote control of your happiness to them happy unhappy happy unhappy whether it's your spouse or whether it is your anyone you want in any relationship if they make you happy they have a power to make you unhappy mm. if you make yourself happy you can share that happiness with anyone you want which is a phenomenal concept but i also know what's really important to you is having actionable things that people what what can i do like i naveen i i understand that it i really need to 
love who I am. But how do I do that? Like literally, other than looking in the mirror and telling myself I should feel these things, what action steps would you suggest people take? Number one thing you do is you get rid of everyone who is around you, who does not uplift you, who does not support you. If anyone brings you down, get rid of them. That's number one rule. You are an average of the five people you surround yourself with. So pick them wisely. Are these the people who build you up and support you? Or are these the people who always say, oh, you can't do that. You're not good enough. You're not beautiful enough. You're not smart enough. You just don't have it in you. You know what? I'm going to surround myself with people who tell me you can do anything you want. I don't even want the people who tell me you can do anything because the sky is the limit. Because sky doesn't exist. <laughs> sky is the limit we put on ourselves. And by the way, we look up and that is the barrier called sky that we all believe cannot be crossed, even though it doesn't exist. Now, we have to ask yourself how many of those skies we create every day in our life, the barriers that we believe cannot be crossed. Now, imagine... There was a time where we believed the human body cannot run a mile under four minutes. And no one ever did. Until it took one person, Mr. Bannister, to show you could run a mile under four minutes. A year later, there were 13 people who did that. How is that? Simply the belief, imagining, saying it is possible. Mm -hmm. Seeing that it is possible. The only reason we cannot achieve what we want is because we believe it cannot be done. The day you believe it cannot be done, it makes it impossible for you to do it, not someone else. Your imagination is your limit to what you can achieve. Your energy is phenomenal. I mean, it's legendary. It's really what just draws people to you and you just get excited about whatever it is you're excited about. And you're incredibly creative. You also have a lot of demands on you. I mean... And as generous as you are with your knowledge and your resources, I mean, you're just one of those people that you just, like today, you're like, how can I help you? You know, I'm, I'm here to interview. You're giving of your time to me and still you're asking, how can I help you? How do you protect your energy too so that you can maintain this level of energy? You know, to some extent, you drive energy by helping other people. If my spending an hour or 10 minutes or five minutes can help someone to help another 100,000 people or million people, I have just leveraged them, right? Because it's not my job to help a billion people. What if we can create an army of entrepreneurs who all help million, five million people Together, we as entrepreneurs can now help billions of people around the world. So we have to feel it's not a competition that it is, oh, it's only me who has a right to help people and not you. And which is really mind boggling. Just to tell you, in nonprofit charity organization, they're supposed to be there to do good in the world. And these are the exact people who would never share with another charity who is also trying to do good in the world. Right? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That nonprofits are the worst when it comes to cooperation and supposedly they are all in the business of doing good. Oh, it's me trying to do good. How can you be doing good? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, hey, 
I will give you my donors so you can go ask them for money. If they, you know, they got plenty of money to give it to both of us. They protect their list with their soul. Yeah. Because what happens is for them, once you become a foundation or a charity organization, you become an organism. And the survival of the organism is the only thing that matters at that point, not the purpose of that organization. Mm. They are trying to see how do I grow big? How do I have more gala events? How do I go out and let more people know who I am? What about the purpose? That's right. Out That's the right. window. Call them on it. Let me ask you about a mistake that you've made in business that kind of forced you to make a decision. I, okay, this is a rule that I will never compromise again. Let's change the way you, you think or change the way you do business. It's interesting thing in life is amazing in a sense that there is no right or that in a particular one particular thing that you think you get it right. It is really to some extent a series of mistakes one makes when things fail, right? So when I say fail, your idea may or may not work, but you only fail when you give up. Until you give up, everything you have done so far is simply a stepping stone to a different idea and pivot. Only time you fail in life is when you actually give up, right? So from my perspective, there have been times where idea that I thought would work did not work. Mm -hmm. And that to me is actually, I expect that to be. Because if everything you're doing is actually working, then you're not trying anything far enough. That means you're not trying anything audacious. Mm -hmm. If you're doing something audacious, there's got to be enough things that don't work. If you everything that works for you, that means you're playing too safe. Mm -hmm. You're only taking the shot that are going to go in. And the very interesting thing is you can learn from sports. I watched some of the best players on the basketball court. And I remember in the nights, whether it's Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, and there are some nights they will take four or five shots and all of them will go in and they will have 10 points on the board. And the other nights, they will miss half the shot. They'll take 50 shots and miss half of them and they'll have 50 points on the board. Mm. It's interesting thing is, that is what life is about. If you ever want to be a 50-point man, you learn to get comfortable missing half the shots. Mm. If you ever want to take all the shots that go in, you'll always be a 10-point man. Wow. Yeah, you have to be willing to have those setbacks. What is the number one mistake that you see entrepreneurs who have a great idea, but for whatever reason their business fails? What is there something you can pinpoint that to? So there are quite a few things. One is most people want to hire people who are just like them. Because if you're looking for a friend, you want someone who is like you. But when you're looking for a business partner, you want someone who is very unlike you, someone who is complementary to what you do. That means you don't want the both people doing rara. There has to be one person who says, I am doing rara. Your job is to be simply sit down and be actually skeptical, be actually looking to do operational things that I may not be good at. So I may be a great person to go out and cut the trees. There's got to be someone behind you who says, I will build the road behind it. I just don't know where you're going and that's okay by me, but I'm the guy who will keep building the road as long as you know where you're going. That's great. So it's looking for that person that you might not be that comfortable with, but they have skills that are very different from yours. And 
And that's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Especially when, you know, you're the person who's the visionary. You don't want anyone who isn't on board with you. Not that looking for someone who has complementary skills doesn't mean they're on board with you. But I think oftentimes, you're right, we do look for people who are a lot like us. And when you, I mean, you're around people who are billionaires and created incredible companies that have changed the planet. Do you ever feel the sense that there's still so much more to do that you're never going to, I don't know, be able to rest? How awesome is this guy, right? I knew you'd be a fan. Now listen, it gets really good. There's a part two to this that I'm going to release on Tuesday. But in that episode, we talk about you know what it means for an entrepreneur when we hear entrepreneurs say, I've got enough money or you know, I'm going to retire. Like, what does that mean? Also, how do you find joy when you've had this kind of success and when you're so driven to do more? We talk about what it takes to raise children to be entrepreneurs and do they need jobs and what type of education he thinks is best for you today and for our children in the future. We talk about what it means to dream and why he started Viome and also a little bit about how he developed the pricing structure for Viome. Okay, if you can't get enough and that episode isn't up yet, then please check the links below and go listen to the episodes we did that are exclusively devoted to gut health. You need to know about your gut health. Yeah, you do. So check out those episodes. And by the way, if you're interested in ordering your own gut testing kit, or if you just want to learn more about it, you can go to Viome, V-I-O-M-E dot com forward slash Shaleen. If you do end up purchasing your own gut testing kit, which is, it's revolutionary. Like the app, it's going to tell you exactly what you need to be eating and what you shouldn't be eating. And it's not based on guessing. It's based on your gut microbiome, which changes all the time. Like this is really fascinating stuff. Anyways, you get $25 off when you use that code, shaleenviome.com. But that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It is my goal to be brief, to be bright, to be fun and then be done. Okay, I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon.